Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Jokes no more. The subtitle to this message is Now is the Time for the Harvest. Now is the Time for the Harvest and the Removal of Choking Hazards that Prevent the Harvest. Now is the Time for the Harvest and the Removal of the Choking Hazards that Prevent the Harvest. I believe the only reason that revival tarries, which is a fancy word for waits, The only reason we don't see sweeping revival is because believers don't preach the gospel. They don't preach the simple gospel as a whole. We live most of our lives silent to the simple gospel. We know it and it's changed our lives, but it's not in our mouths. That's the only reason revival tarries is that believers don't preach the simple gospel. And just know in all of this, guys, I'm contending for your individual greatness with this message, for our collective greatness with this message as a people, which is primarily expressed in the expansion of the kingdom. Our greatness, our individual greatness, our collective greatness, God's greatness, it's expressed in the expansion of the kingdom. It always has been and always will be. We're going to start with this simple point that dreams and visions are primary languages of the Holy Spirit in the end times. And visions are primary languages of the Holy Spirit in the end times. It's going to relate to the harvest. You'll see in a second. But dreams and visions are primary languages that we have to pay attention to. We can't treat them casually. We don't know what angels and demons had to battle to give us that dream from heaven in in the nightlife. There's a war over your dream life, and God wants to speak to you in the night, and he wants to speak to you through visions. Acts 2.17, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men and women shall see visions. Your old men and women shall dream dreams. There's the promise in the last days is the end time language of the spirit are dreams and visions. And everyone gets to play in this verse. It says all, rich, poor, male, female, every social class, everyone in the room, old and young, male and female, rich and poor, are worthy candidates for dreams and visions from heaven. Now, how do we know if a dream or a vision is actually from the Holy Spirit and not from a different Because in the kingdom of God, there are birds that try to nest in the branches. Those birds, a lot of times, are deceiving spirits, demonic spirits. So how do we know if a dream or a vision is from the Lord? There's three main ways. First, and most important, the dream or vision agrees with the Bible. The Bible doesn't contradict this dream or vision. Another way of saying this, it agrees with the character of God, or it reveals a part of of the nature of Christ, who is God in the flesh, as revealed in the Bible. That's first and foremost. And the Bible, guys, doesn't limit God. The Bible reveals God. So if your dream or vision reveals the character of the Lord or his heart for people, 
you can believe it's from him. Second, the dream or the vision carries the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. This dream or vision, another way of saying that, it has the presence of God on it. You can feel the weight of heaven on this dream or vision. That's the second way. And third, trusted godly friends agree that it's from God. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So you ask your, your friends, you submit it to them. They're like, it's from God. Those are three ways. Now, what do we do with our dream or vision that we do believe is from God? Three points as well. R-I-A. The way I remember this and want you to remember it, roaring is allowed. Roaring your dreams and vision is allowed and encouraged. R-I-A, roaring is allowed. R is revelation. That's just the dream or the vision. There's just the facts. And you can't make the R happen. God has to give you the R. He has to give you the revelation. That's just the dream. It's just the facts of what you see and what you hear in your dream or vision. I is the interpretation. This is where our co-laboring comes in. We seek the Holy Spirit, we seek the Word of God, and we seek godly counsel from friends to understand what this vision means. That's the interpretation. Application, what do we do with it? What do we do with this dream or vision? How does it change our life, our schedule, our time, our finances, what we do? Also, same thing. Seek the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. He's your counselor. He's your friend. Seek the Bible. You're going to see keys in the Word of God about your dream and vision from him and seek godly friends. Okay, we've established dreams and visions are from God. We know how to tell if they're from God and we know how to, uh, what to do with them, okay? And I just want to say here, we desperately need dreams and visions and prophetic revelations to reveal what's written in our scroll by God. Psalm 40, Psalm 139, God has a scroll, a book written over your life. He's got every day written out already before eternity started. He thought of you and he knew you. And he wrote a book and a scroll about your life. Dreams and visions and prophetic revelations reveal God's scroll over your life. And they give you courage to walk those out. They give you faith to do the impossible. To overcome the fear of man. To overcome the barriers that are choking out God's scroll in your life. Everyone is worthy of prophetic revelation to understand what God's plan is for your life. And he wants to do this in the night. He wants to do this through, friend, through friends who have, who have visions. He wants to do this through prophetic words. A person who knows their scroll is so dangerous to the enemy. They're fearless. A person who knows their scroll is courageous. And I want to humbly submit to you guys, I know my scroll well enough to give this message that I'm going to give to you today. I know my scroll well enough, not of my own doing, Literally, when I'm knocked out in the night, not doing anything, God has given me dreams. He's given friends prophetic revelation and visions of what God wants to do with my life. And so I say this in humility because the Lord has done it. It's his doing. I know my scroll well enough to give you this message that I'm going to give you today. The most rooting, beautiful dream that I believe I've ever had relates to the scroll over my life. And I'm going to share it with you. And it's, the, it's, the, it's a dream of the harvest, the great harvest of souls that the Lord will win through my life. 
And again, this, this message is not about me. It's about you and your scroll. But I'm going to share an example to spark you to believe that God would, would speak to you in the night, speak to you through vision, speak to you pr- through prophetic revelation. So in this dream, it was a number of years ago. I'm being driven around our family farm in Briggs, Texas, about an hour away. It is heaven on earth. The quality of magnificence, of beauty, of peace. It's heaven on earth in the dream. And God wants to give you pictures of heaven in your dreams. In this dream, I'm I'm being driven around in an old pickup truck by an older man who is like a, he's a heavenly messenger showing me the future of my life. And what was the future of my life? For miles and miles and miles, as far as the eye could see, there were fruit trees, as far as the eye can see. Heaven on earth, fruit trees, like beautiful peach trees, as far as the eye can see. And there was, a, there was communication between me and the, and the messenger, not with words, but with understanding in the dream, of, oh my goodness, I have to take care of all of these trees. I don't know how to work with fruit trees. I don't know how to care for them, how to manage them. And the understanding in the dream from the messenger was, these are your trees, and you're going to learn. You're going to work hard. There's the application. You're going to work hard, and you're going to learn how to manage and maintain and, and, and cause these trees to bring forth fruit. Now, tree, here's the interpretation, though. Trees in the Bible always, almost always represent people. So every tree, as far as I can see, were, were people who were in heaven. Remember, it was heaven on earth. They were in heaven through my life, through my family's life, through the inheritance of my family's life. And each one of those trees had beautiful fruit, which represents their lives impacting more people. Scripture tells us to disciple people who will disciple people. To make disciples will make disciples will make disciples. So who knows? Who knows how many people the Lord could impact through my life? But I've seen it. And it's rooted my heart in the harvest. It's given me courage to preach the gospel with boldness. Because it will change people. It will invite people into the kingdom of heaven. Another vision I've had of the harvest related to Jesus as Lord of the harvest. Scripture tells us in Luke 10, he is the Lord of the harvest. Meaning he's the master. He's the ruler. He's the owner of the field. But in this vision, Jesus wasn't sitting on the plantation rockers on the front porch watching people. Redlock was a a wheat wheat harvest, like the, the little shuck of wheat. Each harvest, or each uh, dreadlock was a, was a piece of wheat, which represents people again. The harvest is people. So what does that show you? Jesus was with me, or with us, in the harvest. He's with us as we preach the gospel. He's standing next to us. He's co-laboring with us. He actually wears the people that you win into the kingdom. He wears them like a crown. He wears them on his head. He is intimately involved in your life, in your family's life, and in the person at H-E-B that God moves on you to, to speak the gospel to or to pray for. He wants to wear them. He's proud of the people that come into his kingdom. 
And he's not disconnected. He's not rocking on the porch. He's with you in the harvest. So these two visions have rooted my heart in the harvest. And they've shown me a part of my scroll. Sloan, you want to go ahead and actually we won't play that video. We're going to keep moving. Artichokes no more. We're going to talk about this now. <laughs> All right. So a few nights ago, this past Tuesday actually, my sister and I were at a pre-sinned rally. Okay, the sinned is a massive event where um, some leaders in the body of Christ are coming together to invite a bunch of young people and all people to come to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City in June of 2022, next summer, next June. They're inviting a bunch of people, thousands and thousands, to come to this stadium to be activated and mobilized to win their neighbors and the nations to Christ. It's a stadium gathering event just to get activated with God's heart as an evangelist, to, be, uh, to receive the mantle of Jesus the evangelist on your life, that you would come together and be encouraged by all of these thousands of people saying yes to winning their neighbors and winning the nations, to winning their schools, their business, businesses, everyone around them to Christ. So we were at this rally worshiping Jesus. The leader of the sin named Andy Bird stirred us up with the prophetic storyline, which will blow your mind. God is so behind this event. He's so behind what's happening next summer. And I, I heard all of this and I've had this stirring for revival in our region in Austin and Lake Travis for years, but it just keeps building. It just keeps building. It just keeps building. So as I'm hearing Andy, and I'm realizing there is not a pre-sinned rally in the city of Austin yet, or that's what I think. And so I take the ownership from my region in my heart, and I say, Lord, I want first a pre-sinned rally, and I want to invite the whole city to it. I want to mobilize the city of Austin to go to this event and become activated in evangelism to win the people around them. It's like someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. I was like, I'll do it, Lord. So I go up to Andy, Andy Bird, the leader, and I said, hey, Andy, you have such a grace for mobilization uh, of the body of Christ. I, I, I honor that in you. Would you pray over me that I could mobilize the city of Austin to go to this event? So he prays a beautiful, powerful prayer over me. Then I come to my sister, and I tell her just what happened, and then she has this vision. So um, this was during worship and right after. And so just, I think this is important for me to say really quick, is I was just praying um, and just contending for the young people around me. And I just felt the heart of the Lord so clearly. And in that vein, he came, comes and tells me this. And I almost like, I'm awkward, like, oh, that's cool. Because as soon as he tells me in my heart, so it wasn't like, an audible, like strong, open, it was not an open vision. It was a, you know, in my mind's eye, but it was really strong and almost an inner, inner audible voice where I saw Kyle going around and shaking, like in an event, going like running from person to person, shaking their shoulders, screaming over them, artichokes no more. And I was like, <laughs> and then, but because I was in that vein of the heart of the Lord and just his, he's, just he just wants them. He just wanted every person in that room to be his friend. I just I, I knew anyway. So I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, "What does that mean? What do you want?" And I heard the Holy Spirit say, "Look up growing rate of artichokes." 
So I looked it up and I saw, I realized that from seed to like mature plant or like seed to mature plant artichoke, it takes two years. It's one of the long, like slowest growing vegetables. So that what uh, farmers and gardeners usually do is to plant artichokes that go ahead and take like an artichoke heart or already transplant a plant that's not in seed form. So it's really hard to, and people don't have enough patience to start, you know, a, a you know, artichokes from seed form. And so, yeah, talk about that. Amazing. So I'm going around shaking people violently, <laughs> saying artichokes no more. I mean, this has to be the Holy Spirit. It's so out there and like awkward. It's honestly an awkward vision, but it's real. And, and so I just want to, there's the revelation. Remember, roaring is allowed. Revelation, interpretation, application. What's the interpretation? I believe I have three interpretations for us. And then we're going to have an application time. But the first interpretation, I think is very self-apparent. Th this has to do with the timing and the urgency of the Lord's heart for the harvest for this city. of The timing and the urgency. The harvest is now. It is not two years from now. It's not even June of 2022 at the sin. It's now. Don't wait to get activated a, a summer from now. It's not down the line. It's now. John 4, 35 through 38. This was the first verse that came to my heart. Words of Jesus. He tells us. He's telling everyone in this room, including me. I'm preaching to myself, by the way, first and foremost. You know that. I want you to know that. Jesus says, do you not say, do we not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Jesus says, behold, or look, I say to you, he's saying to us this morning, he's saying to my heart, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already, everyone say all ready, all ready. Dinner's all ready. <laughs> you ever heard that? Dinner's ready. Jesus is saying, the harvest is all ready. It's white for harvest, meaning it's ripe or overripe. And he who re reaps receives wages. There's rewards. God wants us to love and choose rewards. It's okay to want rewards. God wants us to want rewards. We'll receive wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. The unto of the harvest is joy. It's not do that we're going to rejoice together for billions of years, all of eternity, together with the people that we brought into the kingdom. That's the, that's the unto. We're going to have eternal rewards, and the eternal reward is joy inexpressible. Jesus is telling us here, we have a head start. If you look at the other verses, we have a head start on everyone we're witnessing to. We have a head start. It's constantly reaping season in the kingdom. This was true 2,000 years ago. It's true, true now. It's constantly reaping season in the kingdom. Because God in his sovereignty has previously sown into every person you see enough for them to be a worthy candidate for salvation. Through creation, everyone's seen creation or felt it. Through eternity that he's put in their hearts in Ecclesiastes. Through other believers who've thrown, sown seeds. Through supernatural revelation, dreams, any of those. God's already done enough. He really has. This phrase, four months till harvest, was a proverbial saying, essentially means 
things take time. There's no hurry. We'll get to it when we get to it. We can put it off. Well, God wants to shake. Remember, I was shaking shoulders. He wants to shake this thinking out of us today when it comes to souls. He wants to shake my heart. 2 Corinthians 6, the Lord says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God is clearly the God of now when it comes to saving people's souls. He's the God of now. This brings the timeline for people's salvation from two years to four months to today to even now. I've heard so many people say, today is the day of salvation. That's not what the verse says. It says, now is the day of salvation. Don't sow seeds into your haircut lady at 10 a.m. and say, well, maybe I'll come back when she's off work and give her, draw the line in the sand for her to, to choose Jesus. It's not even today. It's now. And he's, here's the thing. He's promised to hear us. It says, in acceptable time, I've heard you. He hears us sharing, and he hears the people who will cry out to him. He's, he will help us. In acceptable time, I have helped you. He will help us do this. Remember, he's wearing the dreadlocks of the harvest. He's with us. And this whole two-year artichoke idea from seed to harvest, this idea that God clearly wants to uproot and destroy this morning, I believe also relates to this idea of relational evangelism that I have heard as a strategy many times that I have used myself. This is going to hit home for us, including me. But remember, I'm contending for our greatness. What is relational evangelism? It's basically the idea that you sow in relationship with people for an indefinite amount of time without actually revealing that you're a believer sometimes or actually calling them into the kingdom. For people, it's years. A lot of times you do this with your coworkers because frankly, I believe that relational evangelism is rooted in the fear of man more than it is in the fear of God. We think it's wisdom. We think, oh, we can't scare off the fish. Or oh, we can't be too much. Jesus was too much. The apostles were too much. I see nowhere in the New Testament relational evangelism. Everywhere. It was now. Repent now. Come now. Come in now. Jesus rebuked the two men who wanted to wait. One wanted to bury his father. He said, no, now. One wanted to say bye to his family. He didn't even let them say bye to his family. He said, now. So I, I'm bad at relational. I'm so bad at this. I'm so bad at this. Two examples. With my haircut this last week, I got a word of knowledge about the, my haircut lady's uh, first name. I just prayed. I said, Lord, what do you have for her? And I, I felt like her first name started with the letter S. I asked her her name. She said it was Sarah. So I was like, oh, amazing. And I said, I, I just told her, I, I, I prayed, I asked God what, what your, uh, if you had anything for you. And I felt like your first name started with S. And her eyes got really big. And that means her heart was open. And so I was like, can I pray for you? So I pray that the love, joy, and peace of Jesus would fill her heart and fill her daughter's heart. That's great that I did that. But then I left. I didn't draw the line in the sand. Sure, she got encountered. Sure, that's a seed. Sure, that's a, that's a, that's a positive. But it, God is calling us to more. 
He's calling us to draw the line in the sand. Billy Graham always drew the line in the sand. That's what he's calling us to do. And God wants to release the mantle, the anointing, the calling, the, the grace that Billy Graham had. One man had it. He wants to release it on, on a whole generation. He wants to release it on anyone who wants to say yes. The second interpretation of artichokes no more is that God is ready and willing to us as catalysts to remove the things that are choking out the word of God from taking saving root in the people's hearts that are hearing us. He wants to do the, pre the preparation work in the hearts of the hearers. He's ready to choke out the things that are choking out the word. He's ready to uproot, to dismantle. We have all the authority in the world. Jeremiah 1, look at your authority. Feel God talking to you right now with these words. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Everyone say my mouth. He's touching your mouth today. The Lord is saying, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down. Does that sound like we're going to do some gardening in people's hearts? We're going to root out, pull down, tear down the, the choking weeds that, that keep the word of God from coming to maturity. Do you know the, the choking weeds that we're going to choke out, root out, and destroy? Do you know what grace we have to remove? Luke 8 says that the, the things that choke people the most from maturity of the word of God are cares, that's anxiety, riches, the riches of this life, and the pleasures of this life. So God is going to give us the grace to bring the peace of Jesus to remove the care that chokes out the word of God in that hearer or the person we're discipling. He's going to give us the grace to tune their heart, the other person's heart, to the riches of eternity over and above the riches of this life. We're going to carry eternity in our hearts so much that people are going to want to invest in the kingdom rather than investing things that you can't take behind you in your casket. And he's going to, he's going to root us, or he's going to help us to root out the pleasures of this life in the people that are hearing us by showing people the superior pleasures of knowing Christ, of the experiential knowledge of his love, his joy, his peace. You know that, those goosebumps you feel, that you know the, the feeling and worship of like goodness of God? That's better. That's better than alcohol, drugs, all the other inferior pleasures. And he's going to use us to do that. So take confidence. I'm shaking you guys with confidence that he's going to do that through you. Jeremiah 1 says we have authority over the nations and the kingdom. If we have authority over Iran, do you think we have authority to root out the cares of this life in our haircut lady? Yes. <laughs> if, we can, if we're over Iran or over America in our prayers, we can be over our neighbor who's lost and, and convoluted in the pleasures of this life. Take confidence. Take confidence. Okay, third and final interpretation of artichokes no more. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> God is ready and willing. This is when it gets personal. God is ready and willing to remove the barriers in our own hearts that are choking out the evangelistic spirit that all of us were called to carry. 2 Timothy 4, 
Paul says to Timothy, but he's saying it to all believers. You be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We have an evangelistic spirit. We have all access to the evangelistic anointing of Jesus in Luke 4.18. We have all access to it. But we have to root out barriers that are choking out that spirit in our hearts. And think about it this way. When a person is literally choking on something, on food or water, what can they not do? Talk. They can't speak. So that's what the enemy, the devil, and our flesh wants to do when it comes to sharing the gospel. It wants to choke us. But remember, the Lord has grace to shake all that off of us today, to open our mouths, to give us the boldness to get a vision for the harvest and see it come to pass in our lives. The two main barriers that we're going to respond to today to overcome the Lord has highlighted these to me because they're, they're in my heart. <laughs> He's like, excuses that you have. So they're probably true for others in the room. So there's two main barriers, two main choking hazards that keep us silent and disobedient when it comes to evangelism. These are the choking hazards that we're going to root out and destroy today. First, and I think the most hairy of the beasts <laughs> that tries to get lodged in our throat is the fear of man. The fear of man. This means, if you don't know what that means, it means you worry about what people think about you or what they will think when you reach out. Over and above what you worry about what God thinks. There's two fears that can dominate our life. I think each one of us, there's a sliding scale based on our maturity and our submission to the Holy Spirit. Fear of, fear of man, which is 0% <laughs> following the Lord, and then fear of God, which is 100%. This isn't a salvation issue, guys, for us. This is an eternal reward issue. How many people are we going to rejoice with forever? That's what it's about. It's for your greatness. It's how bright are you going to shine? Daniel says, he who wins souls is wise. And they'll shine like the stars forever. 1 Corinthians 15 says, each one of us will shine different measures of brightness in the age to come. In the kingdom, there's a sliding scale of brightness that we'll have forever. I want everyone in this room to be a supernova, <laughs> like to explode, right? Don't you want that? <laughs> so let's get over fear of man. Well, how do we do this? Fear of man is rooted in selfish pride mainly. It's root, rooted really in love of self over love of others, specifically that other person that you would be talking to. It's rooted in self-preservation over eternal preservation of that person's soul. That's what it is. Worship team, you come on up. What's the antidote for the fear of man? How do we root out the fear of man when it comes to sharing the good news or praying for someone? Especially when we're, it's really strong and we're trembling in our boots. <laughs> but we know it's the Lord. 
There's three main ways. First is to be filled, to ask for the infilling of agape, love, for that other person. Agape is a Greek word. There's four different types of love. Agape love is God's perfect love, unconditional. So God wants to fill us with a grace for agape love for that stranger or that neighbor or that family member. He wants to fill us with agape love. We know what 1 John says. It says, perfect love. What does it do? It casts out all fear. So that means the fear of man. When we're compelled by love, perfect love for that person, we don't care what we look like. We don't care if we fail. We don't care if they spit in our face. Because we love them. Second way, it's, it's, it's related, but it's different, is to be filled with the compassion of Jesus for that person. Second way, filled with God's compassion for that person. Compassion literally means to suffer with. Compassion means to suffer with. So when you have compassion on that person who you're moved to talk to, it means you suffer with them in their plight. So you feel a measure of what it feels like to be distant without hope, without Christ, without God. You feel what it feels like for them to be aimless and hopeless and without hope for eternity. And even more deep, you feel, the Lord might give you a grace to feel what it might feel like to be eternally separated from the God of light and love. To be in eternal darkness, in eternal punishment, in hell. I've experienced hell, literally. The Lord graced me, I can say that, with an experience of hell. To give me compassion for people who might be going there. So ask him to fill you with, it's a, it's a tough prayer. You, you're asking, fill me with the, the pain that they're feeling being away from you. Or if they have physical pain in their body, give me the, feel the pain of that torn ACL so I can be moved with compassion. And that's the thing. Compassion was the driving, motivating factor for everything Jesus did. It says that Jesus went about doing good and destroying the works of the devil. So what every good thing that Jesus did, he, he was compelled or driven, forced, you could even say. He was forced by compassion. So when you have compassion, it compels you. It drives you over the hill of what? The fear of man. You get driven over, you get the wind at your back with compassion. Third, How do we get over fear of man? We become anointed with the anointing that Jesus carried in Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18, it was the all-encompassing benefits package of the Spirit of God that rested on Jesus for his ministry to win the lost primarily. The Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus first to preach the good news to the poor, not to have good meetings, not to feel the presence of God, not to have just a buffet for yourselves, but a to preach the good news to others. God wants us to have all those things I just mentioned, by the way, but it's not primary. The Holy Spirit primarily is 
on you for others. And there's so many other benefits packaged in Luke 4.18, but write that verse down and meditate on it this week. Let that verse get in you and say the same anointing that was on Jesus can be on me. And what does that anointing do? It gives you the words that you need. I came up here at VBS with like two verses and I had to give the gospel with Sloan. What a privilege that we had. But honestly, I came up and I'm like, Lord, there are like four-year-olds in here. How are they going to understand? What, What words do I say? And I was compelled as soon as I looked at these kids. I had two verses, but I, no note. I got a lot of notes here. I didn't have notes. I had two verses. And I was filled with God's love for them. And then the anointing, I know the anointing of Luke 418 came on me because I just opened my mouth and he filled it. And then by the end of that time, 10 children raised their hands to receive Jesus. That wasn't, that was the anointing. That was Luke 418. So that's the way to overcome the fear of man. Whatever fear I had coming up, I was filled with love, filled with compassion. And the, the, the same anointing that rested on Jesus, guess what? It can rest on you. And a little sneaky way to get this anointing, other than meditating on the scripture and asking for it, that's the best way, just ask him. It's to be intimate with the one who carried the anointing. Be intimate with Jesus. And I just want to pause here. If you do all these things, if you win all the lost, and you're not intimate with Jesus, you might not even go to heaven. If you don't know him and aren't intimate with him, it's a scary place to be. So that's the first way to get the Luke 418 anointing is just to be intimate with him. And then to see it and get hoorah and get the faith and know that it's resting on you, it gives you the courage to overcome and it gives you the right words to say. And so the second choking hazard is, is inconvenience. So remember, first is fear of man. We're, we're overcoming that with those three and we're going to respond. The second choking hazard that I find is inconvenience. This wasn't in my schedule. This is an inconvenience. I don't have the time necessary for this person. This wasn't on my to-do list. I got to do this other thing. Well, this is rooted, guys, in the culture of busyness that we have. And it's rooted in a lack of vision for eternal rewards and eternal importance of what we do when we do the evangelistic work. I have to ask this question. Let's ask ourselves this question now. Am I the God of my time and schedule or is he the God of my time and schedule? How do we get over the barrier that's choking of inconvenience? Renewed wisdom, renewed revelation to choose the activities that have eternal importance and eternal rewards. We need, there is a, there's a spirit, there's two spirit, there's, there's a lot of spirits in the Bible, but the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
And so when we receive the spirit of wisdom, we know what the right choice is to do in that moment. When we receive the spirit of revelation, we can see with eyes to see for billions of years instead of what we want to do minutes for that person. So when we have that spirit, we can overcome the barrier of inconvenience. Super practical thing to overcome this is just to stop and ask yourself the question. When that excuse comes up, is, is the other thing that I want to do instead of doing this thing that I feel like the Lord wants me to do, is it really more important than the destiny of that person's soul or the healing of their physical bodies or the deliverance of the, themselves from the oppression of the enemy? Is it really more important? Sometimes it will be, guys. Emergencies, family situations, making good on your commitment to someone else, it will be sometimes you have to go. That's okay. But a lot of times, the thing that you want to do is rooted in selfish ambition, in the pleasures of this life, in comfort, or in just something else that really doesn't matter. A lot of times it'll be that. So ask yourself that question. That's a really practical way to overcome this barrier of inconvenience. And we just need to be motivated by eternal rewards. That's the, that's the best way to overcome this. Revelation 19.8 to us, to her, the bride, the believer, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Look at that. The righteous acts of the saints. This is what we're inviting you into, the righteous acts that you get to do, that we have the privilege of doing, that God wants us to do. I believe it was Derek Prince, probably my favorite Bible teacher of all time. He believed that each thread in our eternal garment was a righteous act that we did. Each thread was a righteous act that we did. So we're going to wear this forever. We're going to wear our choices for Jesus forever. <laughs> and lastly, how do we overcome this? Just a renewed trust that God take care of our to-do list as we take care of his. God will take care of our to-do list as we take care of his. He will give us more grace to do those things that would have been excuses from us doing the thing that we know we need to do. God will multiply our time. He will multiply our energy, our efficiency, our resources. I put him first. It's Matthew 6, really practical. Seek first the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom for souls and his righteousness, and all these less important things will be added to you. God will take care of your to-do list as you take care of his. We have to make him the Lord of our schedules again, Proverbs 3, in all of your ways. That means all of your time, all of your activities. Make him God. Acknowledge him. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.